Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Kings for Christ podcast. We thank you for tuning in and we hope and pray that you will get something out of it, that you will continue to grow and continue to support us as well as we look and point towards Jesus as our example. So without further ado, here's the episode for this week's podcast. Today we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It is about, I think there is 26 verses. I don't need to say about it. I was thinking we could take five verses each. Um, I'll go ahead and pray us in. Father God, thank you for allowing us to come here today to learn more about you. Father God, I pray that you just let your spirit guide us today. I pray that you speak to us in the areas that we need to hear you, Father, and convict us in the areas that we need conviction. Father, I pray that you just let us bear fruit as we go throughout the world and just help us be a light to others around us. Help us be able to interpret and share the gospel with others. And Father, we just thank you for the wisdom that you've given us. And I pray that you just continue to give us the desire and hunger to chase after you. And we ask all these things in Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2. A good soldier of Christ Jesus. Timothy, my dear son. Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This saying is trustworthy, for if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth avoid worthless foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior this kind of talk spreads like cancer as in the case of Hymenius and philatus they have left the path of truth claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred in this way they have turned some people away from the faith by god's truth i'm sorry but god's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows those that are here, who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, 
and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, joy, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, do not get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everybody or everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Ouch. Yeah, this, um, honestly, second, first and second Timothy are probably, you know, some of my favorite books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot to unfold. Like, I find myself highlighting something different every time I read it. Even verse 13, like verse 13, I'm looking at it. It's like, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. It's like, no matter what we do, no matter how unfaithful, you know, he still, he still stays true to who he is because he can't deny who he is. God is the same all the time. The thing that I like is that um, in verse 23, it says, again, I say to you, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that start fights. Um, and that's, you know, powerful too, because in a sense we want to, especially me, like, I mean, people like me want to convert everybody to Jesus, but at the end of the day, they have their views and then we have ours. So, um, like, like the Bible says in in the previous verses, you just gotta, um, just let God come into their hearts and do the work, but all you gotta do is just plant the seed. And that's what we struggle with a lot of times. Yeah, because I mean, even in this chapter, he mentions not getting involved in foolish talk twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he he mentions it a lot throughout his letters and and throughout the first and second Timothy. And so a couple chapters where he mentions don't get involved in foolish talk. And obviously there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. And um and I think as a church, we do it a lot, you know, we get involved in stuff that doesn't bring glory to God. We try to debate. Like, yeah, you can have a conversation with somebody about doctrine, but, you know, when it turns into an argument, you know you're not going to change. They know they're not going to change. It's like that's that's not – people on the outside are looking in. It's like this isn't fruitful. Mm-hmm. You know, why would – you know, if you take somebody that's from the world, why would I want to be a Christian? Like, they can't even agree on anything. They always arguing with one another. That ain't mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And you even you even look at Christ and his walk on earth, he never got into arguments with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. He never had like a back and forth argument with the Pharisees. Yeah. He gave them one line zingers and then kept it moving. Right. He challenged them. They were always trying to challenge him. He challenged them back and be done with it. But there was no argument. No, there was never any argument. It was just like, okay, that's what you that here's your question. I know what you're really asking. 
So I'm going to answer what you're really asking. And then he would answer it in like a question form. So, <laughs> but it's like now, especially with social media, we can even, I've been guilty of it, but just getting into debates on under people's videos or whatever. And it's like, I've been checking myself on that. Like this isn't, don't drink fruit at all. Just, just leave it alone. And like, that's, that's part of the fruit of the spirit, that self-control to know when and when not to engage in a conversation and when it's, when it's going to be fruitful and when it's not. Hmm. I appreciate you sharing that, Quell, because I didn't even think about it that way. I, I used to be on Facebook and I would have some pretty terse discussions with people. You know, or I I make a comment, let out there, let everybody else fight about it for a while, and maybe a week later shut the com- shut the shut the argument down. But now I don't even I rarely go on there because um, everything's very contentious with people, and people are staying divided. We're divided by black versus white, Democrat versus Republican, conservative versus liberal. Uh, oh, race, anti-vax. I said, yeah, race, black, white, you know, mm. um, even within believers, you got, oh, you have the Calvinists versus the charismatics to some extent, you know, all these separations. And yet, within the body of Christ, God expects us all to be one. Right. And what the devil's trying to do is use all these little things to keep us all apart, because ultimately speaking, if we stay apart, we never can be unified. We're stronger together than we are individually. Um, I'm something that stuck out to me so much, but I'm gonna go back to the beginning only because I'll just stay one part of this one step at a time. I like the fact he talks in verse two, but you heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teaches other people. So it's it's the call to discipleship. That's so much needed, especially in the body of Christ, because many of us can hear good preaching and good teaching. That was a great sermon. What was it about? You know, I really don't remember. So you, if you do that, you can't walk away and teach somebody else that same information and then teach them how to teach it to somebody else. There's a great need in the body to um, teach these the doctrines and the, the faithful information to people who they can learn to teach, who then you teach to teach someone else. So I guess multiply. Go ahead. No, I was going to say because I was diving into verse two, diving more into it mm-hmm. right after what you um, quoted. It says, "Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people, right? Who will be able to pass them on to others." I guess so. How do we go about that? So it's like, do we teach the gospel to some that just need the gospel and then we dive deeper into it with the others? So do we have some people we just teach the gospel to and do we have others that we create disciples? What do you guys' take on that? If that, if that even, if what I just said makes sense. I've, 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 I've failed in that miserably. Um, and, and here's what I, here's what I mean. Um, I've tried and Mark Wallace watched me. You can try to get 
everybody to study the Bible at a depth in order to be able to teach others. Like, for instance, you can have people read scripture again and again and leave it up to them to break it down and to be able then to communicate that back to another person. Okay, so, so there is a method that I have of doing that. Everybody is not gifted or equipped to do that. So some people learn in different ways. So there are other people where I now study with them and I'll walk them through. Okay, here's, here's the scripture. Here's the Greek behind it. Work with them, right? With the objective of them then understanding it and then them delivering it, right? There are some other people who you, um, and, and, and I lean so much towards number one, not as much towards number two. And there's one thing that I miss significantly, which is to teach. What, I, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is how do you effectively, I mean effectively, communicate the gospel with the intent of someone taking action. What do I mean by that? So, and, and it's funny, I just learned this like last week. When I present the gospel, I have to challenge a person that says, hey, you have the opportunity in life. You see relatives are dying. You see things are going bad. And you don't want them to perish. And, and, and God is righteous. Now, I'm encouraging you and I'm asking you to step forward to be a soldier. And people respond to that, right? And they're like, okay, I'll do it. I will be a soldier. I'll get up. I'll stand up. I'll be born again. I, I, I love this. I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of the teaching that I have done before in the past has been too much information and, and, and not enough telling someone, here's what you are going to learn. Here's what you should walk away with. Here are the commitments that you should make. Secondly, where I made a huge mistake is typically in a church environment, you have one teacher. No. You have to have multiple teachers. So even in our youth ministry, right? Marquel knows it. Getting everybody who's in the ministry to teach, not just one. And I think that's a big mistake that I've, I, I'm just admitting the mistakes that I've made. And then the final mistake that I've made that Marquel has seen is I can crush a person's faith. Oh, yes. I can argue someone because I've studied so much. Because it says there in that verse 18 that it overturns the faith of someone. You can take an issue in the Bible, which is a truth. Not necessarily a truth dependent on salvation. You can crush the other person in an argument. It'll make them question 
everything that they have <laughs> learned to that point with it, it, it and it's and it's no good i'm sorry for the long whatever i'm just admitting some some big huge mistakes i've made in doing it no that's honest because like everybody's different everybody learns different and this no matter how much you want somebody to grow some people just won't get it um in hebrews i think it's hebrews chapter six some people it's either six or hebrews like the end of hebrews chapter six um paul talks about milk like the spiritual milk some of you milk yeah some people will forever be on you know, breast milk. Some people will never move on to solid food. And it's like, sometimes we, as ministers of the gods, will have to be okay with it. Um, we can't force you to move on to f- solid food when you are content with being on milk. And, you know, sometimes we just have to adjust because we, I guess we can all agree that we're all, as members of the body of the church, we're all called to share the gospel. But some, there's many that won't. There's many people that have enough just to get to heaven, but won't won't do enough to carry out the work on earth. Now, I would say to that, though, a lot of people that... Get stuck on breast milk and just just get stuck on milk, period, is because until somebody puts some oats in your milk and you know how to handle the oats, and they graduate you to the cereal, to then maybe the rice, to then the potatoes, to then the green beans, to then the lettuce, to then the chicken, to then the steak. In other words, there's often a time we're often so concerned about getting a person from point A to B. that Milk to steak. Right. But also we think we have to do it all. See what I'm saying? Paul talks, and um, I read this, I forgot what it was. He talks about how some water, some plant, God gets the increase. Right. We have to do what God's told us to do with that individual. If it's just share the word, teach this particular lesson, someone else will come along and water that more, and someone else will come along and water it more, someone else will plant some more, and next thing you know, bam, there'll be a harvest. But we often look at it linearly as if, you know, it's about us and how many souls we save mm-hmm. and Check off the numbers that we, you know, I saved 455 people in my lifetime. Well, yet and still, it's not really about that. It's really fulfilling what God called you to do. And so then you're less concerned about, yeah, you you do. Some people aren't going to get milk from you. So they're only going to receive from you. Maybe they have to grow as a person, have some more life experiences that will have them desire the more sincere meat of the word. Because they have to go through some life experiences that will press them and cause them into want to, to to delve into it more. We can, I think we have to be cautious of feeling bad about doing whatever our part is. You know, um, there are some people that say, well, so-and-so, they just preach uh, 
Gummy Bear Christianity. That might be true, but that also might be their assignment. And since we're not God, we don't know what somebody's assignment is. You do best to know what your assignment is and do that because there really is a room for hellfire and brimstone preachers and gummy bear preachers as long as everybody is leading everybody to Christ. That's the real caveat. Gummy bear preachers can lead somebody to Christ. He's doing a fashion and a fashion, a fashion and a manner that maybe doesn't meet you where you are. All of us on here are of African American descent. It's a different culture. We can all admit that our culture is not the same as middle class white America. And middle class white America is not confrontational. They're more like make it a nice idea. The nice idea, it just makes sense to become a Christian. Whereas we're going to tell you, you know, straight up, you don't do this, you're going to hell. And this is what hell's <laughs> like. You don't want to go there. Well, there's some of you, they can't get with that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's needed, though. But um, oh, yeah. so, so with that, do you feel like a lot of people take verse 15 too seriously or out of context? Verse 15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So what I mean by out of context or too seriously is we're, we're all men, so most of us can relate to you know the sports analogy. You can work real hard and still lose. And so for like men of the faith, we can, we can put a whole lot of effort into growing somebody's faith and they never grow. We can do a whole lot of work into growing somebody in the discipleship area and they don't become a disciple. And so we take that as a loss, even though we did what we were supposed to do. We worked hard. We just didn't see the fruit. So is that kind of, I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying. How we, I guess we focus, I'll let you expand upon it more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think you would take it. Yeah, we can take it out of context if we make it more about someone else than ourselves. Make huh? it more about we make it more about the reward than the actual work. Right. That's what I was. I don't know Is why that, I wouldn't. I don't know yeah, why I couldn't come well, up. That's with okay. That. It, it, yeah, I uh, I had to go back and read that same passage in the King James to to, to illuminate to me a little more because I mean I just kind of I was I cut my teeth on it that way so that's kind of but I like the NLT as well. It says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly divide the word of truth. So what that really means, I didn't mean to slur it so quickly, is that we're supposed to study the word of God to show ourselves approved, okay? It's an individual thing. It's not to study it so well that you want to make somebody else feel bad because they don't know what you know. Yeah. Okay. Because we have to present ourselves to God as to get a workman, somebody's working hard, that need not be ashamed. I mean, you're ashamed if you didn't do what your assignment was, and we receive his approval. So if God assigns you to explain a biblical concept or a doctrine to someone, now you got to study it well enough to know yourself 
understand it yourself, and then hmm, apply the proper pedagogical methods <laughs> for someone to be able to learn it, i.e., some people are visual learners. You have to give illustrations and use your hands and maybe pictures and stuff. Some people are auditory learners. They have to hear it and hear it and explain over and over and over again. Now, the other methods, I don't know what they are, but I do know those two. But people learn different ways. Some people learn by visual, auditorial, and another kind of way. Oh, tactile. They have to feel something and, and touch something. So if you give them an example, they can see themselves touching it to be for it to come to life. But that's where you get Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth as to how to handle each opportunity that you have to teach and talk and minister to someone. Does that explain the answer to the question? Yeah, I think to add to that, I think we're called to share the gospel. We're not called to bring people to the faith, if that makes sense. Like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I can't remember. Yeah. It's one of Paul's letters when he talks about, like, that's how that's the work of We're just called to either plant or water or, yeah, one or the other. We're not called to, like, really harvest. Not harvest, but... I can't think of the words. Yeah. Um, like that's the that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think we get we feel like felt like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to you know get to heaven and look around. It's like, like, dang, you know, I helped this person get here, you know, or be the person to walk somebody into giving their life to Christ. But we sometimes we feel like if that doesn't happen, we failed. But at the end of the day, that's not what we were called to do in the first place. We were just called to water or plant. And it's like that says God gets the increase. <laughs> but right. I, I think you are, and, and this I miss this too. You are called to joy. Joy, you to say joy, joy, joy. Oh yes. In, 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 in other words, in, in First John, he says really clearly, and, 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 and I never got this. We get great joy to know that you have fellowship with the Father and His Son. So to see someone be born again, to see someone's eyes be opened by God, right? Like it says at the end of the second chapter, Second Timothy, if God peradventure, I like the King James, will give them repentance, he'll open their eyes to the truth. It's an incredible thing. So it's, 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 it's like, uh, talk to Rion. It, it's like seeing somebody who you've been working with. And I like how Rion explains it. He, he explained this to me. I'm not the one that's going to, 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 to help you change, right? I'm going to help you think about the situation then God's going to open up your eyes and then that change is going to occur. And I'm going to have great joy of, of seeing that. So, so I think, I, I think I'll be honest with you in my life, like I sell software, I will work really hard, incredibly hard to convince a customer that the software will change their life. And for the first time, for the first time, and I may spend like for one, to sit in front of one customer, I may spend 30 hours working on what I'm going to say. 
for the first time, and so I think it's kind of in context, Marquel, for the first time, I spent like probably about 50 hours working on my lesson for last week to the youth, and, and, and God shows up. It wasn't me. It was God. And it's the first time I ever had every single youth respond, stand up, come to the front and say, hey, either I want to make sure that I have eternal life or I want to become a soldier. So I think it's like one man plants, another one, uh, you know, waters, God gives the increase. But we are supposed to be those hard working athletes who in perspective think about I have a job to do as a soldier. And I knock some pastors who like think about the Joel Osteens of the world who bring tens of thousands of people, hundreds, I mean, millions of people into the fold. And sometimes people knock him. Mm-hmm. God uses him in order to bring people in. Think about mega churches that can bring like people into the fold and masses. And sometimes people knock them because they're like, well, it's kind of bubble gum. It's not that deep. And so God has a purpose. I, I love what Pastor Rob said for everybody to play a part and a role. And, what, and, and what's really crushed me in the past is like, I can listen to a pastor. If I hear one thing wrong immediately, I'm like, oh God, no. oh God, no, I'm not going to listen to any more of that. And I'll miss like, because of the one small kernel, I'll miss like 99% of what was good and won't even give the person, you know, they're human. So, Marquel, I think sometimes we take it too seriously, like, and I'm blaming myself, where I look at what somebody else says and be like, oh, that little piece was wrong. And and I'm just, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, because I guess I can say I'm guilty of it, too. But it's like, at what point do you use, like, you know, you call a spade a spade? As far as like the the Joel Osteen's and the Joyce Meyer, it's like okay, what point do it's like you know this is it, this is it. I I completely I, biblical teaching, you know. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's one point, one point, one point. I will completely debate about salvation. Right. right. If somebody comes preaching like works. Right. Get you into heaven. Nope, you're out. I I will at that point. I'll do my absolute best for as long as possible to try to take that person to the side. But if they will try to push that to a flock, that one I will. I will. It's kind of like Paul in Galatians. I will. That one I I will. When it comes to people's eternal life, I'll fight for that one. I, I will. I'm not going to back down. I won't back down from what it takes for a person to be saved. Yeah, I, I right. won't. I won't back down on that. I had a poor girl whose mother passed. My best friends, my, one of my wife's best friends, her mother passed mm-hmm. a week before her mother passed. And her mother was a nun a week mm-hmm. before she passed. She had a conversation with her daughter and she's like, and her, and her daughter said, mom, if something happens to you, I would just be crushed. You know what she told her daughter? Now, she's a, she's a Catholic nun. 
I hope I've done enough good works to be in heaven. And, and, and her poor daughter was pouring her heart to me over lunch, worried about her mother. And, and then wondering, oh, my God, me and my mother had arguments before she died. And, and I feel horrible about who I am. And w- will I do enough to make it into heaven? That crushed me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on top of, oh, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. On top of, is, is by grace you are saved and not of works. That's any man should boast. I mean, the fact that people don't know those things, haven't been exposed to those things, is a travesty among amongst itself. And so it is right. You want to you want people to be gently instructed, those who oppose the truth, as it says in verse 25. But see, it also adds on then it says perhaps God will change those people's hearts. So it's not that we change the hearts. Exactly. Oops, sorry. No, thank you, Rian. I was hoping you speak up. Okay. You don't well, change hearts. Go ahead. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Um, and when people do get saved, we do rejoice, but, um, the only, when is the only time that people, well, that heaven rejoices? Say it again. When is the only time that heaven rejoices? I'm asking. uh, That's not rhetorical. (laughs) Yeah, that's the question. (laughs) Oh, um, well, somebody is saved. Right. So at no other point, there's nothing else we can do that will allow heaven to rejoice. So all of the works that we do, heaven's not going to rejoice. So to Mr. Brightpoint, heaven's not going to rejoice when we help a lady across the street or we um, pay for somebody groceries or we do any of those things. Those things come out of the love and share that we, I mean, the love that we have inside for Jesus that we have inside for us that comes out. But the only time that heaven rejoices is when people get saved. And um, also, too, it's our job to plant those seeds. So when we do see that grow, we know it could be nobody but Jesus, because that's our job is to plant. And then we will say, like Mr. Pastor Rob said, like, oh, in heaven, how many people I got saved? No, it's how many people Jesus brought to me to allow them to get saved, because then you're giving all back to him. That's it. I think um, what I was kind of like... <laughs> I guess talking about earlier, it was just like more about what about the when you do the planting and the watering and nothing comes from it. Well, at the end of the day, did we do what God tell, tell, told us to do? So if he told us to do that, then we did our job. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if we just think about if you just think about if you try to pour into everybody, how exhausted you would be. Like everybody you see, like, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus loves you and he wants to be with you. You'll be exhausted. And then everybody, I wouldn't say it's exhausting. <laughs> you said what? Go ahead. I'll, I'll say it later. You're good. Oh. He, he said he, if, they'd be exhausting. Go ahead. Uh, but if, if you pour into people and then you just plant a seed and allow God to do it, one, you won't go, you won't, you won't like grow weary because you know it's Jesus doing it. And then two, you will like, we will want people to follow you. And then like that will make you energized and make you want to keep going because you know you're making an impact. But again, it's not about you. It's about, you know, Jesus at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I was getting at. It's like far as verse 15, people taking it a little out of context and saying, instead of 
just doing the work. They feel like, oh, I got to do the work and receive the reward. And if I don't get the reward, I failed. If this person doesn't get saved, I failed. Even though I did what God told me to do, they didn't get saved. So I failed. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. I'm ashamed. Because it's like I either didn't correctly explain the word of truth or I just I'm ashamed because I failed. So that's what I was kind of getting at as far as like verse 15. Some people can take it a step further than what it actually says. Mm -hmm. But but what is your reward that you what what, what do you want for your reward? Because as we know, our reward is in heaven. So no matter what we do down here, we know where our we know what our reward is. It's like we we're all human. Yeah, we if if you let somebody the to Christ, we all know that feeling is exciting and how yeah. good that feeling is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who would want that? And it's like when you don't lead somebody to Christ or like you pour into them and they don't change, it's hurtful. Yeah, it can be very <laughs> and, and it's like, so we get into the fleshly rewards of stuff. And it's sometimes it's like even you feel like maybe okay, maybe I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit enough or I didn't explain this the right way. It's like you start to maybe wonder like what you trying to go through, what you did wrong. Mm -hmm. Did I I tell them to read the wrong scriptures? Did I not pray hard enough? And it's like we, even though we worked hard, we and we did what God told us to do. Maybe we felt like we didn't work hard enough because this person didn't come to Christ. So now we're ashamed. But is that not becoming works based? Exactly. Yeah. Because see, because once again, the human nature is always be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. So then we turn it upon ourselves and it's about me. I didn't do enough. I didn't say the right words. Maybe God, maybe you heard directly and said what God wanted you to say and did what God wanted you to do. And it could have been that that person's heart wasn't ready to receive. Right. So it's not about you. And also, too, Pastor Rob, like, yeah. what if he got the message in 2015 and then in 2020, that's when he come to Jesus. So we, we did the work, but we just never saw the harvest. And like, right. oftentimes we work with people and we work with people one time and then they'd be like, oh, I remember you. One time you told me that Jesus loved me and then you don't even remember it, but it's something that you said that impacted them for the rest of their life. So I guess the question is, are you okay with not seeing Reaper seeing a reward? That's a, yeah, that's exactly the question. I mean, as for me, I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, I mean, Jesus still get the glory. So whether you he does it, whether the person does it or not, he I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah, but it's it's, it's so many people that, you know, kind of like what Brother Lonzo was talking about. There's so many people that sit back and wonder, I like I hope I did enough. Mm. I hope I did enough. Mm. Uh, to piggyback off, because uh, I, I wanted to um, say something about it, but um, I think it's like more focused on the strategy, kind of like we do the Bible studies every Saturday. Everyone knows church is Sunday. So that's like a routine strategy to come to Christ. It's like focused on the strategy of it, kind of like I hate to compare it to this, but I'm a day trader. So I like got into stocks and stuff. So when you're trading, for example, 
if you're risking one dollar to gain two, then you're you're basically set up for failure, kind of. But I kind of trade where I risk one to gain ten. So I'm never focused on the losses that are involved. I'm only focused on my strategy, on what I did to get the most wins. Like what is getting me the most wins? What is getting me the most people to come to God? So the strategy is actually like the kind of like the generator. How can I explain it in a way? Kind of like regardless of however many people comes, the strategy can enhance this. Let's say you enhance on a specific part of preaching or a specific part of what your strategy is. Let's say it brings more people to God. And at the end of the day, if we're just focused on planting seeds, then we're basically just taking trades kind of in a way where it doesn't matter about that one trade. The goal is to have a great strategy because it's like, I can't really explain that. I'm t- I hope you guys it's yeah. like if you if you focus on growing your relationship with God and the more he pours out of you, the more the flow. It's like back to sports. Like you take you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You take a hundred shots, one of the boys gotta go in. Exactly. It's the same thing. But you know, as you get better, you get better, you get better, you grow closer to God, you grow your relationship with him, the easier it gets to pour into somebody else. And that's why I was saying Rian is not exhausting because if your cup is overflowed you always pouring out over overflow is once you not being filled by Christ, that it becomes exhausting to pour into others because you're not pouring into a cup of overflow. <laughs> I got you. I'm, 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 I'm like blown away. I'm, I'm just, wow. That's all I can say is like, Wow. I, I'm, I'm, wow. I mean, uh, DeAndre, I'm just like, I'm like, wow. I'm, um, I'm so like, wow. We, uh, wow. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say if I spent day trading, right? Not worried about the strategy and God has the strategy. And, and, and when I do what I'm supposed to do, like if he tells me to be a tree, I'd be the tree. <laughs> I'm not worried about the wind or the rain or whatever. I just be my tree. And when I'm and when I'm my tree, the work isn't hard, like Markwell says. But when I'm trying to be other than the tree and I want to go and I want to try to plant some, you know, some some ground around me and I want to make my fruit come out. <laughs> you know I stress myself out and I don't see like any fruit because I'm, I'm like day trading. I, wow. That's all I can say is I'm, I'm, I'm and, and, and then we look at like Paul who it's amazing. Markwell, it's amazing that Rian, that Paul Man, this guy got rejected had to be 50% of the time. Half the people wanted to kill him. You know what I'm saying? Who wrote this letter? Wow. I, that's all I can. And then the whole reward trade is about me, what Pastor Rob says and Rian says. And like Rian asked the question, like, what's the reward? What reward are you looking for? And, 
Am I looking for the reward where he says, you good and faithful servant for doing just what I said do? Or, or am I looking to be the reward of I'm God and I, you know, I did this and I day traded and I made this happen and and I, I wow, I'm, I'm just going to drop the mic for you guys and I'm going to shut up and wow. It took me a minute to really get it like mentally, but I kind of think I understand it. And then I read, uh, I mean, this kind of pertains to what we talked about earlier as far as coming together in unity, but I kind of watched a video about someone talking about how negativity attacks us individually and it's we're weaker when we're divided. So it's easy for us to be attacked. And that way, if we come together, it's kind of harder for the devil to get to us. So once I seen that, you know, in not godly form, I thought straight to God about it. And it's like, it just makes perfect sense. As far as like the unity and everything, like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah, just, because, even, because even when I blame myself, I don't just blame me. I blame other people. If I think the reason why they didn't get saved is because of me, right? I didn't do this. Then I'm thinking, well, the reason why people aren't getting saved is because of what you're doing too. So it begins to, it begins to look at who I am and who other people are and not where it says in here that God is faithful. He is the one who's doing it all. And it's like, why be so hard on yourself, honestly? And it's like, what's why? Like, what's the point of being so hard on yourself? And it's like, God even talks about Revelation eight, like all the plagues he sends, he sends in Revelations after the the um the fifth and sixth scrolls get unfolded. All the plagues he said, he was like, the, the people that didn't die from the plague still didn't turn from their sinful ways and repent, turn from me. So it's like, if God can still show his hand and people don't turn to Christ, why do we think what we do is going to get everybody to turn to Christ? And it's like, that just came to me because I had to remind myself of that. It's like, you know what? Even God himself shows his hand to people, and people still don't turn to him. Mm -hmm. So what little old me going to do to get everybody to turn? <laughs> like, I ain't better than God. He's not going to override your free will. Right. I'm not going to override your free will. So at the end of the day, some people are just not going to turn, and we just got to be okay with that. You know, it hurts, but, you know, at the end of the day, like I just said, God not going to override anybody's free will. Anything, everything we do, people's, people's still not going to turn. That's why the best gift he gave us was choice. Because you can either choose to serve him or you not. It's, it's cut and dry. It's one or the other. So you either going to do it or you not. And you got pretty roughly, well, most, well, I don't want to say most people, but um, you got a, a short, either a short amount or a long time. Pretty much, I'm just going to say your lifespan to figure out if you're going to do it or not. So, and it's just your choice to what you want to do. Because at some yeah. point, we feel like something pulling on us to do something, but we just 
choose not to do it. Yeah. So I guess back to verse 15, just do the work. You know, don't <laughs> just do the work without expecting the reward. And just, you know, focus on your reward is in heaven. Just do the work that God calls you to do. Whether, you know, the person changes their heart or not, you did what you were supposed to do. And you have no reason to be ashamed of doing what God called you to do. Just make sure you're correctly explaining the word of truth. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't don't be spreading false doctrine. Don't be a heretic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Uh, the unity thing, like I believe, uh, I believe you guys remember. I had a friend named Austin had came on here, but the previous Saturday we done it. I had done it, and he walked. He like seen me actually on the Zoom, like so it was different from me actually telling him about it. He's seen the unity. He's actually seen us together, and the next day, and the next Saturday, he actually wanted to join me. So. Yeah, I came last Saturday. He's not on this one. I think he's at work, but he called me multiple nights during the week just talking about it. Like, it's just been on his mind. And it was just shocking me. Like, oh, my God. It's like, man. But but I was just so stuck on the fact that it took him to see us together on the Zoom link before he actually decided to make that decision, regardless of what I was telling him. And I knew him since we was 13. So... You like that. And like, bro, I've been telling you about this for years. <laughs> I've been telling you, you you've been wilding out for years, and now you, you see you got a one church service, and now you just want to turn your whole life around. And it's like that's okay, you know. <laughs> and that's like getting away from my pastor Rob says, like that works. Just because it wasn't you that turned their life around don't mean it still wouldn't. You know, it still don't mean heaven was overjoyed. Yeah. People are so curious to what's going on when people are unified. It really don't. It really doesn't. Even if it's, even the things that aren't godly, people are just curious to things that are just unified, period. That just speaks so much power. So. I just feel like that's so important. I want to direct our attention to verse three. <laughs> it's a sub, it's a it's a subject nobody likes to address. That's crazy because I was looking at verse ten. So go ahead, they they go hand in hand. You know we're flowing today, bro. You know that. You know we're flowing today. Yeah. <laughs> Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier in Christ Jesus, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, but nobody likes to suffer. Okay. Which, huh? Now I was gonna say, as you grow, you kind of look forward to it. Okay. <laughs> and it's because you hear about it. <laughs> you heard my okay, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, give me, yeah, hold on. Let me just let's make this point because Drew mentioned this a while ago. Like you go yeah. to church and you know some of the elders would be like, "Why well, ain't going through nothing? Why well, I'm just chilling?" And this, this is I'm just saying because you know something is on the other side of your suffering. I guess. Well, in that case, when they say that, no, um, um, was it? I'm good. I'm just. I'm not. I'm just chilling. I'm. I'm not. Saying I'm not growing. I guess the more of like not the, going through anything. yes, that that's what okay. you said. You say I'm going. You either just came out of something, and you get a little rest period. Yeah. 
Or you're about to go into something and you don't know it yet. Or you're not growing. See, if you're not suffering, it says endure suffering me, endure suffering along with me. So Paul suffered. Right. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So just don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. Because then they can't please the officer who enlisted them, i.e. Okay, I guess I'm going to use these examples. All right, Holy Spirit, here we go. Um, we can be in situations with people and for this. we can have a viewpoint based upon scripture of current events. <clears throat> Pick one. And people are going to interpret that current event in last scripture different ways because they're of their understanding of what the word of God says. But now you look at things in totality of where things are progressing and where they're going. All right. Um, you can say, well, this is a result of the Illuminati taking over, or this could be a result of the global elites trying to do X, Y, Z, ABC, and folk can say, that's a conspiracy theory. And it might be. When you go read scripture and you read Revelation about how the son of perdition is going to be revealed, you might come away as saying, no, this is another layer off the onion showing you what's really taking place, and you're just missing it because you're dismissing it. That was me. That was good, Lord. So my point is, you might have to suffer because you take a stance based upon a biblical principle or something you've read or a revelation God has given you that somebody else doesn't yet have. They may not have been in the word as much or as long or at all. But you're going to suffer because you're standing, taking a stance for Christ based upon what you've learned, what you've read what you've been, the mysteries of God that have been unfolded to you in your prayer time, but you can't get caught up in the fact that you're enduring the suffering because every soldier is going to suffer. You think about being on the battlefield, it's not easy. Bullets being shot at you, times are tough. You don't get to eat when you want to. can't go to the bathroom sometimes when you want to. In the midst of crossfire, if you got to pee, brother, what you going to do? You see my point? <laughs> didn't mean to be nasty, but that's kind of a, a good example, I think. You got to go, but you got to go. <laughs> so, the, but the point is, we're trying to please the officer who enlisted us. And sometimes doing that is mean to take up our sword and take up our cross and take up our weapon and fight with the word of God in situations that are not pleasant. There were family members that call us crazy. There'll be with people that don't understand where we're coming from. Uh, it'll have you not agreeing with everything that you even feel in your core being. You've been taught to believe this way. And all of a sudden now you see that it's not as you were taught or thought or not comfortable for most this. And yet and still this is nothing but a covering, nothing but a shell with when, within which the Spirit of God residing and leading you into all truth. 
So you can't get caught up in the affairs of the civilian life of what's really happening around us too much. But we got to make sure we please the officer who enlisted us. Right. Because we're... Dang, what is it? I can't think of the scripture. Um, Man, we are basically visitors. No, we're visitors here. We're visitors. Oh, yeah. We're not. Yeah, this is not our home. No, this we're just not passing through. We're ambassadors. Just passing through. And then you take what you just read in verse 3 and take it to verse 10. Yeah. Just being willing to endure anything. Anything. If it would bring salvation and, and eternal glory in Christ. And it's like, we just, we think about the life of Job. How many of us would have called it quits? How many would have, some of us would have, you know, taken our own lives. Some of us would have denounced God. But we talk about enduring anything. Especially in the times we are in now, where I mean, we've pretty much always been the minorities being the body of Christ, but we definitely the minorities now. Even the people that say they're Christians, but you know, they fruit don't show it. And it's like if you really stand on truth, man, you can lose your job, your family may turn on you. Like, granted, we're not in a situation where we're losing our lives yet. Yet. But enduring anything. A lot of this. We see it now. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. Let me ask you guys a question. Who suffers more? And I, I don't know this. You guys are athletes. Who suffers more? The players or the coaches? The players? The coaches want you to believe it's the co- I believe it's the players. But so. if, you, if you look at professional sports, who, who get fired first? They'll fire the coach before they trade somebody. Think about a coach. Who suffers more, the pastor or the flock? Depending on, I need you. Do you have an example? All right. The ultimate pastor, Jesus. Who suffered more, Jesus or us? Jesus. Right. Because I think what happens is, okay. For for, For the parents here. Yeah. Who suffers more, the parents or the children? Mm. The parents do. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you love them, but you can see where they're going. And like Paul says in this chapter, you can see they're, they're walking toward destruction. The night when my son's car took 14 bullets and he's 17 years old and like six of them like were like directly like at him and his friend happened to pull him like out of the car and for him to break his neck 
And for him to walk out of the hospital Mm. and like a robot, like a soldier, like walk right back down the street toward the gang. As a parent, the suffering, the work, you see your child walking toward destruction. There's so much suffering in that, right? I think, like, when he calls us to suffer, look at what Paul's saying in this chapter. Who's he suffering for? Just like, just like what you mentioned, Marquel, maybe it's not about as much about the reward. It's about the fact that we go through suffering. When you preach the gospel to people and they don't respond and you see them walking towards destruction— there's a pain, there's a hurt, there's a, a coach. I think coaches probably suffer more during a season than the players because they may be looking at 60 players and be like, man, these I got like 60 incredible people, but they don't realize how incredible they are, right? <laughs> and that's a lot of suffering on that one coach trying to get all those 60 in, in, into place. A pastor has to go through like a lot of suffering. Because yeah. he sees everything that's happening. So it's almost like God's calling us suffer. <laughs> right? and, and, and it hurts, but it's real. Like, I talked to this girl on a plane who was a pastor's daughter. And I never understood what being a pastor's son or daughter was until she explained it to me. And she said, being a pastor's or, or son's daughter or being a pastor's child means that you hear people who your father or mother give their life for curse them behind their back. Because they don't think you hear it. You see people in the church who your parents like do everything for who stabbed them in the back in front of your face. You see people, even though you see your parents give their life, you see the public and people in the church go after your parents. So I thought like PK kids were like, just kind of like, you know, I just want to run free. No, a lot of them are like, the church has like crushed my family. And I saw my family or my mother or my father give their life. So do I want to be a part of the crushing? So I, so I think Paul's telling Timothy, decide to suffer because you're going to suffer. Right, Rian, I know you, 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 you teach a lot of people, a lot of stuff. I know you try probably to disconnect, but I'm sure you suffer from some of the people that you, you, you work with. You don't want to, but I'm sure... Your heart hurts. This week <laughs> has been a heck of a week. Um, so I had a member pass away. I had um, a member tell me that I'm not qualified to do what I want. That, that I'm not qualified to do what I'm doing. Um, That's a trip, I, isn't it? I, I was told oh, something else happened today, <laughs> this week. Um Oh, another person told me, why am I doing an intake? Because I just need my Suboxone. 
So I'm like, I see everything at a, mm, I just, I, I don't know. But I just, to, I, to say, like, I had a heck of a week. Just say that. Um, but at the end of the day, I do see, like, the benefit of people going through the program. But at the end of the day, I know there are going to be people who, like, fall away to the side. And again, my job is to present them as much information as possible to help them. But at the end of the day, I can't make them, you know, I can lead them to the water, but I can't make them drink it. Um, and it's similar to Christ. Like I can bring them to Christ, but at the end of the day, it's Jesus's job to help them um, mature and faith and do what they need to do. But um, yeah, it, it's been rough. It's, it's rough because you see everything that you want for them, but then they have to want it themselves. To put it in economic terms, you see the macro and they only see the micro. Yep. Because you see the macro, you do suffer because you see the potential that's there. You see the opportunities available to them. Mm -hmm. If they don't see it, they don't avail themselves of it. Yeah. When you brought up verse 10, so I'm willing to endure anything. Now that I'm a little bit older and I, and I see the word anything, you know, you, 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 you're less likely to want to say it because you have a deeper understanding of what anything could be. <laughs> Just to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory to Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Wow. It's a heck of a thing. Anything. I mean, willing to endure the rejection of my peers. I'm willing to endure... I don't know, being called a geek or people insinuating things about me that might not be true. I'm willing to be be called um, less than a man because I can speak of my emotions. Uh, am I willing to hmm, not have all the accoutrements or all the things that I like so that I can help someone to receive Christ. I want to sacrifice some of the good times I want to have to delve into God's word more so I can bring glory to Christ Jesus, to other people. Something to think about. Something to think about. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. How about this reign? You don't have to go through hardship. How many times we often felt that way? Lord, I'll ride or die with you, but please, uh, don't let me have to, to, to say Jesus in front of everybody. Let me ask you this question. Um, how do you feel when you go through the suffering and at the other end you get a victory? How do you feel? Pastor Rob, how do you feel? Oh, me. I would assume everybody just me. Okay, I don't. Man. It was worth it. It mm. was worth it. Even if, no matter how painful it was. Like, uh oh, this is, well, we can't, we're all men, but, and men can't have babies. But um, it's, it's, I liken it into childbirth. Let me will tell you that you know, the pain of childbirth is just incredible. There's nothing you can, they can do to explain it. But once they birth that baby, they see the child, the love that they have for him, the love the child has for them. It was worth it. They're, the pain, the, how intense that pain was, that's all gone. So to answer your question, yeah, you go through some things and suffer something, 
Um, but you come out and have victory. Oh, man, the victory is the sweetest thing in the world. It was worth it all. Even though it may have been painful while you were going through, it was worth it all. Mm. I think any type of success is that way, though. It's almost scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like whether we do it in Christ or we do it outside of Christ. Like either way, we're gonna have to suffer, right? So speaking to DeAndre's like success, like when you success when you succeed in like um business or anything, it's certain things that you had to go through to get to the other side. And the same thing with Christ, like we're gonna have to suffer to get through, you know, somebody getting saved or whatever the case may be, or we we may even have to pay the ultimate price and die for what we believe in. But as we know, we know we go into a better place because as we all said, this is not our home. This is just, you know, we just pass them by collecting as many souls as we can before we go home. I mean, it's, it's, I never, I'm, I, God, I'm, praise Jesus. I mean, I, I look at Adam. A- Adam had no pain. As, as men, we don't have pain in childbirth, right? But God has it, most tremendous pain ever to birth us as children. I never thought about that, right? It says that Jesus is a life-giving spirit. And, and, and like DeAndre, like you said, any any success, Rian, you said any success involves pain. And, and, and God decides before the foundation of the world Right? Like, like he says back in the first chapter that I'm going to go through the, the, the birth pain of childbirth for all of my children. So, so each one of us, I never really thought about this. Each one of us are born again. And he goes through that pain for each one of us. It's not like he just like takes the pain and says, let me, let me just do the pain for all of mankind no he says i go through the pain for you pastor rob i go through the pain for you rian for you quill for you deandre for you Dwayne. and it's for you <laughs> and you can decide if you accept that pain or, or not and i love i love what you say rian it's just like it's like the way you explained it to me i'm here to help you but it's up to you. God, I never thought about that. So as a mother, if she gives birth to like a second child, would you consider the second child just as painful if she knows what's on the other hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Kind of like, you know, kind of like once you do it once, you kind of know what the other end, you know how the grass can get greener once you water it, kind of like, kind of like, you know what the pain will do, like you, you know, it'll make you better. So is it really pain? I mean, of course it hurts though, but with everything, of course, but the hurt's still the same. But now you walk into the hurt with a little more knowledge of what's on the other end. So it makes it more palatable. 
kind of durable, kind of like in basketball. When my coach would make me run and throw up. But then the next, you know, after I get better and stuff, I realized that that put me ahead of a lot. So I'm not, I don't really mind going through it. Now I force myself to do it. So it's like, I mean, not specifically throw up, but the hard work that came with it. Kind of nowhere it ends, so. I'm blown away. I just, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I've um, Second Timothy, I think, was one of the earliest books that I ever studied. And God told me today when I came on here that I would see things a way different way than I've ever seen them. And it's amazing. I I, I don't think I've, I mean, I've, I've, wow, I'm I'm just like blown away. God's awesome. Yeah, today was good. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Kings for Christ. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do us a huge favor and subscribe and follow. And also share this episode with someone that you think may enjoy it as well. You can find us on Instagram at WeAreK4C. Thank you.